0: Today, we welcome Pat Fralick onto ARC Waves. Pat is the Executive Director of Lewis County Community Service, a role she has held for nearly a decade. Pat's expertise is in bringing the community together to harness its resources, and she works tirelessly to optimize the coordination of care throughout the county by collaborating with all stakeholders. Good morning, Pat. This is Heather and Karen. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Well, thank you for having me, and good morning. We're so excited to have you here. Um, I know we've tried to schedule this a couple times, and you know, we finally were able to get, get uh, both of our schedules locked in so we could have you here. Um, we thought we could start, though, with uh, sharing with our listeners, um, if you could, your position and what you do in Lewis County.
2: All right, well, thank you. So my position as Community Services Director um, is really a result of New York State um, I think, in the '60s, identified that the populations that serve those with mental health substance use or developmental disabilities really needed a, obviously support both financial and local support, mm-hmm. and created mental hygiene law of which in order for each county has us. So in order for us to get funding and ensure that we're treating those people, or people with those issues. Um we have the local government unit um a department called community services, and essentially we're responsible to know the needs of our our consumers um de- develop annual planning and then do the day to day stuff ensuring that everything runs smoothly. How um, does, so,
1: yeah, go ahead, sorry yes, no go ahead. how does the the annual plan get developed is that does that include providers? Does it include family members? How does that how does that work for you?
2: Um. So in Lewis County, we really do a couple things. Um, annually, we'll review that plan, and then annually we will gather information. And mm. each year, we've been able to increase the information that we have and use to contribute that. And definitely, those that either receive the services or support the people that receive those services participate in that. And they do this a couple ways. We will send out a community-wide survey that can be done online. Um, We have um, three uh, subcommittees and a board that are tied to my office. Um, There's members of those populations on that board. So they're participating in our meetings year-round. We also use other... Um, like the public health does um, their needs assessment. Um, JCC, our local community college, also does a community service um, survey. And we kind of bring all that stuff together, um, help that contribute to development of our plan, and then review it all year round.
0: What a wonderful way to get a cross-section of the community, it mm-hmm. sounds like, in terms of really getting a, a robust picture of what mm-hmm. that mental health is from you know, all walks of life. Yes, And what those needs are. And what the
1: needs are, yeah. Are they largely uh, providers that have uh, Medicaid, that are Medicaid funded? We don't, I I don't know what their payer might be. Okay.
2: Um, I can just, and I want to say that we, in some, there's some questions that are tied to understanding whether that is someone that has any contact with these systems or, you know, what, whether it's a patient or a family, um, I can tell you that on the other side of that, obviously the agencies that we contract with, um, their two highest populations are Medicaid and Medicare,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, and then some private insurance stuff that's intermingled. So, H-
0: have you seen that change at all in the nearly decade that you've been there in terms of what that mixes with the providers you contract with? I think not. I think it's pretty
2: stable Mm -hmm. um and i think the and this is just anecdotal um but we have recently seen maybe an increase in those that receive the the, um, ssi or ssd um and i don't know what that could be why that drives that although our i can say at county level our population is aging so we Mm -hmm. have um a higher proportion of those that um maybe are considered retired Mm -hmm. uh, so that might imp- impact that.
0: Sure, that increase that, the number. That makes sense. Although there's so many wonderful things going on in Lewis County, I've been sitting in on a lot of the Tug Hill mm-hmm. region meetings. So um, you might you might be having an influx of uh, younger people as the next few years goes by because they've done such a great job talking about the community and building the you know the real that community sense that's so inviting for people.
2: Well, and you and again, you're absolutely correct because. Um, a couple years ago, we had um, we participated in some sort of study, and essentially, one of the things that was identified is that we had our young people graduating and leaving the area and not going back, coming
1: back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: And then the other, I that they kind of projected that our population overall was going to be reducing quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, as a result of that, you did see some, um, definitely some. Uh, organized efforts to obviously attract people to come back mm-hmm. and then have have opportunities for them to be engaged at the local public um, planning level. And mm-hmm. those things have been pretty consistent, and obviously we are seeing the, um, the benefits of that.
0: You know, so. you, you talk about that, and one of the other questions Karen and I had been so curious about was, <laughs> advantages and challenges of access to services in rural communities. And so how do you address those, those needs, which, you know, may very well be changeable in terms of, you know, the changing population and, you know, maybe there's a a flip side that it's really wonderful uh, that we want to hear about in terms of providing those services in a rural, rural setting. Excuse me.
2: So that was, that I saw as one of your questions, you know, kind of give me some, um, heads up on what's going to happen today. But I was (laughs) sitting there and kind of looking at, all right, advantages. And, and I think I, I, it took me a minute because, you know, clearly you want to leverage anything that's going right, Mm -hmm. but your focus is so much on the things that are causing trouble. I had to take Mm -hmm. a pause a minute and think, well, I know there's got to be good stuff going on, Yeah, but anyway, (laughs) um, I think that the advantages of being providing these services is that there is a there's not a lot of them, so there's people are aware of them, mm-hmm. um, so you don't have to worry about that aspect. Um, and then by the smaller population, that there there might be a little less um, hoops for, hoops for somebody to go through to get access. Right. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. You know, one of the things that I thought of because I I wrote that question, Pat. <laughs> So sorry. Um, was you know when you think about the advantages of a rural community when you're accessing care, you're right on. Is that you know there is um, much more sharing of information, word of mouth about how to get to a particular location or or who might have openings. At an agency um, or who might, you know, whose relative might be working at as a clinician at a local, you right. know, uh, agency. And and really that sort of knowledge and that network on, you know, the more uh, smaller locations or that home, you know, kind of hometown feel is really advantageous because it does help to Hear more about the services. Oh, you know, listen, my my neighbor, you know, got this service and it was really helpful for them. Or hey, you know, if you go to this location, you might be able to get some, you know, benefits for um, you you know, heating or whatnot. So mm-hmm. I think that there's there's a lot of that that really happens in that sort of undercurrent of connections that are mm-hmm. you know that are naturally developed. I think quite quite strongly. Um, in rural communities. And I've seen that certainly in Lewis County, and just the camaraderie, the helping hands, mm-hmm. everybody pitching in to help out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think that's, that's a sort of a naturally occurring at, at advantage, I think, um, at least I've seen in Lewis County and, and many rural communities um, with that connection.
0: Yeah, despite being widespread, it's still tight knit. It's really mm-hmm. quite an anomaly. We saw that with the raise the roof campaign. Mm-hmm. The the mm-hmm. Lewis right. yep. Lewis County rallied around uh, mm-hmm. putting that roof on a building where we employ people with disabilities, and it was a wonderful, mm-hmm. heartwarming experience.
2: Mm-hmm. No, and I think the other side of this is that the that camaraderie. There's also value in understanding your culture, mm-hmm. uh, and it, it just I think it. Adds to that rapport building. That adds to that okayness about coming out and seeking help because right. you kind of know what maybe keeps p- people coming from the door, and then you can work on it so that we can increase access. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and,
1: and I it. think there's a there's a trust element there that can be quite strong mm-hmm. too, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you you're going to trust your neighbor's you know opinion, mm-hmm. or you're going to trust your you know, high school buddy um, from twenty years ago is pretty right. you know and I, yeah. I do think there's there's huge advantages um, to that. Um, you know, and, and the way that people can share information about services and also how to how to access. One of the questions I had, mm-hmm. you mentioned um, how important it is in your position and, you know, connecting the community providers um, and sharing of information. Do you have a community services board? Yes. And could you yeah. talk about a little bit about that?
2: Oh sure. So under mental hygiene law, that this department, in addition to doing all those things, um, are, is required to have a, a nine. We a, we have a nine-person member of the community services board, and then we have three subcommittees, one each for each of the the um, concerns: one for mental health, substance use disorders, and developmental disabilities. Mm-hmm. So each of those groups, and they're all uh, nine seats. Um, we, we really target through three areas that you've got community members, patients and families. You have agency um, agency staff, and those that again I I think consume you know business owners, mm-hmm. people that have contribute to um, uh, to the agency agencies and the other community members. Mm-hmm. And we the community services board meets monthly. And our task is to obviously stay aware, um, mitigate any issues that might come in, you know, decide on what programs we needed to reach out or maybe be eligible for, and then ensure that those things are all coordinated and communicated. Um, And I'm very, very, I've always been very, very blessed in -hmm. regards to to not having to, um, you know, work so hard at getting people willing to 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 serve on those.
1: That is a blessing.
2: it is a blessing, and, and I want to say that when I came here um, to take this position, my strongest subcommittee was the, su- the subcommittee that addressed those with developmental disabilities.
1: That's great to hear. That
0: That's is great, great to oh hear. Oh, my
1: goodness. Oh, <coughs> my God. We have wonderful it's, people, um, wonderful providers, you know, yeah. in Lewis County and, and a, a incredible network that we've, you know, ourselves have worked with, you know, and and lewis but um mm-hmm. and it's and you and you and your office and you know staff have been incredibly helpful to us over the years for sure um so i'm just curious if i could shift this a little bit since working in mm-hmm. your position what mm-hmm. positive changes have you seen occur that has improved the lives of people with developmental disabilities
2: the the i guess the first thing is the improved collaboration Mm -hmm. so really leveraging those the relationships we talked about earlier so in when i talk about collaboration it's not this is what i do and and this is how you can get people to me it is okay this is what i do and how is my my doing impacted by what you do or don't do right um and and really by developing and it really started out with developing uh, opportunities to go beyond. Hi, I know who you are and I know you work. Was I know how you work and I know I I like what you do or I respect what you do.
0: I love that uh, how you yeah. work. That's really understanding yeah. that nuance to to how someone does their job and how they provide whatever service. Yeah, you know, can can really help you understand where you can fit in and where you can form that collaborative mm-hmm. piece.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that the. A dr- and this goes back to the complexity of the people that we serve today mm-hmm. versus what might have even been five years ago. Um, and and so the other thing motivating that is is the money that it takes to provide services.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So, you know, we're not in the position to duplicate something. Um, we're not in the position to, you know, if you're duplicating this, what are we missing? And, you know, if you're sitting down and you're working with your board or your consumers, um, you know the 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 strategies or the plans that you develop you you 're not your own little island you know we 're sharing people and we 're supporting people and the people are the needs are very very complex so not to consider those other agendas or those those other strate- strategic plans as you're planning isn't it isn 't efficient and it's it 's not necessarily that you 're intended to be you know, poor what you do. Um, but it's certainly when you come out the other side, being aware of that and partnering with people, you have a, a more uh, depth to your plan or, or where your agency hope you hope to go.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's, uh, it's everybody sort of all hands on deck, you know, to be mm-hmm. able to, to put, um, an effective plan together for County mm-hmm. plan, you know, and I, yeah. I think that's, that's excellent that you have the, the providers that you do, the people that you do, the supporters that you do, um, to, to really help that process. I'm curious if you could just tell our listeners, because they may not know the connection that you have in your position and the work you do with, like, the county budget. Oh, all right.
0: So- <laughs> <laughs> Heavy one, that's a singer. <laughs> oh, oh,
2: that's all righty. Uh, so essentially, I guess the position is, is, and we haven't really talked about stigma, So, you know, again, obviously much of what comes through my office in regards to money um, is state aid Mm -hmm. and the regular, everyday, everyday ordinary buckets of money to support the work that happens within the county. But that doesn't cover all the costs. Mm -hmm. Um, It doesn't cover usually something, you know, urgently needed or something new. So by by my connection with the county um, government, And then the board of legislature. It's been really been my intent to increase understanding and knowledge of 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 the services that that we provide, why we need to be really doing a good job providing those services, so that when opportunities arise, um, that you you know that they understand you know if you have got this ask for this this need. They understand what is underlying to that.
0: Mm-hmm. What, and by, oh, go ahead. Oh, I, I was just going to say, what what sort of ways do you communicate those, those messages to make sure that they understand? Is it a lot of face-to-face? And I'm, I'm particularly asking just because I'm thinking it is sometimes challenging to get those messages and those understandings across as to what it's like to be, uh, a, a person with a disability who also is, you know, needing additional um, mental health help or what the families and the providers and advocates for those individuals, you know, need to know?
2: So it's really been um, multi, you know, many different ways. Um, and you really, because everybody learns differently. So, you know, in, in addition to the community members and the other um, people that's, you know, come and sit on these boards. We also have members of the Board of Legislators. Um, so they are engaged in, and they uh, participate in that process.
0: Sure, and they're, they're there for the conversations.
2: Absolutely, and so that you have that going on. And then on the other hand, you've you've got opportunities where, you know, we brought in agencies to come in and talk about either what they do or what new stuff they may be doing mm. or... We've identified in our needs assessment suddenly, and I'm going to use two very, you know, topics that everybody can probably relate to, mm-hmm. is suicidality in in uh, your community, mm-hmm. those that either attempt or success, complete, and then you've got the opioid, um, sure. pand- or the, the epidemic.
1: Um, it's, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Pat.
2: No, I was just going to say that unfortunately. Given the complexity of our needs, this is something that, that every county is experiencing. Mm-hmm. And in Lewis County, if there's such a tight-knit group, you either know people or you're related to people. Mm-hmm. So oh, hard. it is hard. And it is, you know, again, the focus is there. But by having that education and understanding that this is what's going on in our community, here's some opportunities that we can can take advantage of or implement to be able to support our residents. So that's, you know, an unfortunately a, a difficult process, but again, by, again, education informing and, and keeping it on the forefront. And, and I do that through, you know, monthly reports, again, um, you know, something that is more urgent, mm-hmm. um, but it's just keeping that stuff out there and, and, and hopefully it just taking root.
0: Hopefully the podcast helps with that a little bit too. Mm -hmm.
1: I think it's really important too that the providers and many of us do this is having that regular conversation or those meetings, um, even bringing people that we support with us to meetings with our legislators. Um, Yeah. And, you know, whether they're state legislators or whether they're on the county board, Mm -hmm. I think it's really important that you keep people informed um, who are making those decisions about uh, budgetary issues that might impact your your agency mm-hmm. um, and not waiting until, you know, the last minute to try to get them information. But having that relationship um, mm-hmm. built over time with those officials is really, I think, extremely important so that they're well-informed when they go to have to vote or make the decisions. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm just going to pivot a little bit um, sure. about families and advocates. What should families and advocates of people with d- disabilities know about the relationship your office has with the providers and the community?
2: So, I, when, so yes, another good question. <laughs> and my thought was is that uh, what I found, especially during the, the first you know, year of COVID, mm. is that suddenly people really didn't know that this office existed or mm. what happened uh. here. And you just assume that they do, and then you find out, you know, really, they don't. So I think the first message is is that this is, you know, every county, so whoever's listening to this, Mm -hmm. you know, community services is in every county, and while it doesn't necessarily look and mirror everybody's the same, um, it is, you know, a central location for somebody to either get information, um, pose questions or concerns, so that we can you know, navigate and try to find a solution. And and what they need to know is it's very important that the Director of Community Services have relationships and relationships are not just with my agencies, it is with the school districts, it's with law enforcement, mm-hmm. it's with the healthcare system. So because not everybody comes to you with a concern, it's usually there's many, many things that need to be addressed when you're trying to resolve something. And It's just not, you know, your outpatient person provider. Right. Um, so I think that that would be the two things. That here we are. This is what we do. And likely we, we maybe either know where to go with something or know who to ask about something. Um, and then be able to support and and get a resolution or or, or communicate something that needs to be communicated.
1: Is there? Um, I'm trying to remember from my days um, in my earlier part of a, a career mm-hmm. uh, was the was there a um, larger sort of um, a, kind of an association, a County Mental Health co- County Mental Hygiene Directors Association? Yeah.
2: Yes. Yes. Yep still in existence, and that's another aspect of this mental hygiene law, this famous mm-hmm. law. Um, but yes, yeah, so I'm one of, I want to say, 57 mm-hmm. um, DCSs around the state. Mm-hmm. And what's what's great about that association is, is, if I don't know the answer, there's somebody, there's 56 other people
0: oh, that's um, a great that resource. I have access
2: to. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, yes.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes.
2: Um, so that is in the background and, and by having that, because you kind of get sense of, you know, your little, little Lewis County with your residency, what you do. Mm -hmm. Um, and that doesn't necessarily say that I've had exposure experience with, with a potential solution, um, to some sort of concern or issue. And then we have the collective, um, support of each other so that we can go to, you know, the, the Albany level Mm -hmm. and either advocate or communicate Mm -hmm. um, in regards to for our the people that we serve
1: that's incredibly Um. important to have Mm -hmm. to have that connection with others not only you know can you share information and um, you know network but also you're you're right on about advocating collectively um, for a shared purpose or goal to the to you know the state government um, and legislators it's hugely important So, you know, I just want to ask you a question um, a little bit about systems change. I know uh, from personal experience, you have been very active in systems change. You were very supportive of us when we um, looked for funding, both state and federal, for our telehealth um, uh, equipment back in a few years ago now. (laughs) Like, I think during COVID, I feel like I aged like 18 years uh, from from that time period. Um, but we were very grateful to have your um, your letter of support. Your you know you encouraged us to you know really do that, and we we're so grateful we did. We had all that equipment and our telehealth equipment and our residential program and up and running just probably about a month before COVID started. Game changer. So we were we were really well set with accessing um, physicians through Teladoc when we needed to. Um, so it was great for us. Um, so I have a question about that systems change. Can you share your experience with systems type changes such as transitioning from fee-for-service to value-based value based payment models or other examples? And
0: before you answer, too, just for our mm-hmm. listeners, because some people might not be familiar with those terms, fee-for-service versus value-based payment, can you give a, a little bit of a understanding of what those are as well and what those changes Impl- you know, oh, sh- the implications of those changes are.
2: So, you know, again, you're right about this COVID, what happened pre-COVID and then, you know, our world today. Um, but we, probably it's, gosh, it's got to be more than five years now. Um, the fee for service, meaning that when a person, and it, we, we can talk about behavioral health and or healthcare, mm-hmm. is that you went and had a lab draw and there would be this charge. So, and there was your exchange. So I had... This is how I do this. This is how I get paid for it. Um, the shift was and after or nest or being looked at because it was decided that for having um, people spending so much money on healthcare, we really didn't see the outcomes that we really should be seeing. Mm. So somebody, you know, thought to themselves, "Well, um, maybe there needs to be a little bit more accountability so that you are you as a provider are motivated." Um, to monitor the services that you provide um, and be able to demonstrate that the services you provide provide value or positive outcomes. Um, and so this is a pretty big um, you know shift change sure, when you huge think about it oh my oh my God. I mean, from you know the person, the lab draw lady to you know the the CEO of a hospital mm-hmm. um or the physicians or or whatnot. So anyway, um, and so the federal government wanted to motivate you know, states to be more efficient and, and be able to demonstrate that the money that they might be getting at the federal level um, was really, you know, you're getting your bang for your buck. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, in order for you to do that, um, a provider, um, you know, a medical or whoever, needs to start being able to track information and data. And be able to state that in these areas we spent this amount of money and then, you know, we were able to reduce, you know, um, I don't know, you know, know, cholesterol, you know, by so many points. Um, And then somebody says, oh, wow, you know, you're doing good work. And because you're doing good work, we're going to pay you because you demonstrate value.
0: Mm. What
2: is a challenge, however, is that it's not a level playing field. So, you know, they started with um, the medical community and started there. And then we're just starting to go down the path for those that provide um, behavioral health services. Um, But not everybody has the same resources and not everybody has the the ability to track information, track data. What are you tracking? You know, how how do you keep track of, you know, who's where and how do you engage people? Um, and that's the other thing is, is that if you've got somebody that has, you know, mental health issues that's non-compliant with their medication, well, you're likely not to have good outcomes. So mm-hmm. how are you going to engage with that patient, keep them coming to your door, and then supporting them as they're trying to manage their health
1: care? Who, who determines the, the outcomes, what the outcomes should be?
2: I think that that's the other thing that was a challenge is that the, in the medical community, it was pretty easy. And um, they were doing this thing called HEDIS scores. I'm not sure who developed those. I want to say it was um, CMS, mm-hmm. uh, but okay. essentially finding some data points, um, having this HEDIS, HEDIS checklist, and you would be able to guide your, you know, your reporting. However, there isn't necessarily one for mental health. So, mm-hmm. you know... So that was the first challenge, identifying, you know, the data points to track because a lot of that's subjective. Right. Um, you know, it's not like a lab value. Mm-hmm. Um it's just kinda hard to be able to track somebody that was came to you with depression and now is less depressed. Right. So how do you do that? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just craziness.
0: You know. But Pat, anyway, oh go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, you know, one of the questions we wanted to ask you as a follow up to this question was what you believe the critical leadership skills are when you're managing a large system change like this. And I have to say from listening to you, I'm hoping one of your answers is keeping a level head because I'm very (laughs) inspired by how you're you're detailing some very significant challenges that are a result of this paradigm shift. Yet you're not chicken little and the sky isn't falling. You're saying, okay, let's, let's evaluate this. Let's see how we can make this work.
2: Yes. Yeah, very, very important. I think that when you think about the, the, this pair, the huge paradigm shift and and whatnot, but I think that, you know, in regards to the leadership aspect of that is recognizing and understanding that there's many ways to an outcome. Mm. Um, and, you know, you can't get so involved in that this is exactly how we're going to get to this, this rock over here. Um, by understanding who you're working with and, and the culture and and the understanding of where everybody's at that at that point in time um, and identifying some, you know, common points to get you to the next step. Um, but also, you know, recognizing that in addition to, you know, many ways to get there is that, you know, the diversity of your input, you know, leadership, there's no way everybody can know what they need to know. Right. So, you know, where where are your gaps and who has that expertise? Because this is a pretty big thing to shift around, and it's gone from, and, and think about it, you know, you've got nurses or or behavioral health employees, they're coming into it to help somebody. They they just want to help. Mm-hmm. They're not interested in, you know, the, the finances or the politics behind that. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so it's obviously how do you... How, how do you, what's in it for you?
0: Mm-hmm. So,
2: you know, you've got, all of a sudden, you've got a manager that is expecting you to generate X number of contacts with a patient, and they're focused on that. And how can that leader support you in the goal that you have by, I just want to help.
0: Right. You know, oh, that's you know, so challenging. And,
2: Oh, my goodness, it's just hard
1: work. I think the I think the diversity, like you said, of mm-hmm. the expertise that you have mm-hmm. on a team when you're going through a systems change is hugely important. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, the many ways to an outcome is also something that people need to be able to step back and say, yeah, you know what, we could do this and this. And, you mm-hmm. know, some of it is trial and error, and um, especially when you're going mm-hmm. through new systems. And it's also making sure that whoever is, is – um, involved in making those important decisions about, for example, what the outcome should be, um, they need to be informed of what you're finding, of what your challenges are, what's working, what's not working. And that's, again, Mm -hmm. another reason why it's so important to have that ability of of expertise on those teams. We're going to, actually, we're getting low on time here. So I'm going to turn this over because this has been a great discussion. Of course, we'd love to have you back on again. (laughs) <laughs> um, it's it's just there's so, I know Heather and I were chomping at the bit here wanting to ask follow-up questions. Yeah, th- so. absolutely. Sorry for cutting you off if you <laughs> <laughs> you
0: know, um, so we just are going to
1: turn this over to what we call our lightning round questions, and this is okay. Heather's thing to do.
0: Absolutely, and thank you again so much, Pat. Like Karen said, would love to have you on. You have you on again, just to talk about that last topic for another half an hour. I think would be so fascinating. Um, but the lightning round questions are are a fun way to kind of have people get to know the the softer side of our guest. Um, so my first question I have for you is: What is your most favorite part of your job?
2: My favorite part is the opportunity to mentor oh.
0: um
2: and yeah, um yeah, so I'm a department of one point two
0: and i don't
2: I don't have you know a team of people or or you know grooming people for leadership opportunities, however, I do have opportunity to weather to support um leaders within my um area of agencies um and those opportunity i really enjoy that. Um, not only being able to see and communicate with those that are coming into the field with bright, you know, shiny eyes and, and wanting to help the world, um, but it, but being able to be part of the dialogue with somebody to help negotiate outcomes for problems that they might bring me.
0: That's awesome. And for our last lightning round question for today, what do you love most about Lewis County?
2: So this I am not Lewis County born and bred. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they invited me into their county to be able to serve the, the residents. And the thing that really I was recognized at the very beginning is that this place has a strong sense of family mm-hmm. and community.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, and I agree
2: with you. By that, mm-hmm. that is awesome and makes my life a lot easier.
1: Absolutely. Well, Pat, I, I can't thank you enough for for um, being on our podcast today and. We're so excited um, to share all this great information uh, that you provided with our listeners, and we would love to have you back on again sometime. I hope you you consider that, and um, we, you know, I'm sure we'll we'll have you on the list and giving you a call soon.
2: All right, and thank you so much because this was my first podcast, and you have made it just very easy. You did <laughs> great.
1: You did great.
0: Thanks so thank much, Pat. Thank you so much, Pat.
1: All right. Disclaimer, the views, ideas, and opinions expressed in this podcast are only those of the individuals involved and do not reflect the official policy or position of the ARC Oneida Lewis chapter, the ARC New York, or any other agency, organization, employer, or company.